When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Once again, my fascination with aquarium substrates is going to take us down to the bottom today. (laughs) I'm obsessed with this whole idea of functionally aesthetic substrates in our botanical-style aquariums. It's just something I can't let go of. I guess it's because I imagine the substrate as this sort of magical place which fuels all sorts of processes within our aquariums, and that nature in her infinite wisdom, tends to it in the most effective and judicious manner possible. Yeah, I'm a bit of a substrate romantic, I suppose. And I think a lot of this comes from my long experience with reef aquariums and the so-called deep sand beds that were quite popular in the early 2000s. Now, a sand bed is, just like it sounds, a layer of fine sand or sediment on the bottom of an aquarium intended to grow bacteria in the deepest layers, which facilitate the process of denitrification. And it's one of the benefits of having, you know, an undisturbed layer of substrate on the bottom of the aquarium. Uh, You know, these fine sands and sediments are perfect media which, uh, you know, bacteria can colonize. They have abundant surface area and uh, are a perfect shape and size for them. Now, the deep sand bed also serves as a location within the aquarium to process and export dissolved nutrients, sequester detritus, yes, our old friend detritus, and convert fish poop and uneaten food into a format that's usable by many different life forms. In short, a healthy undisturbed sand bed is a nutrient processing center, a supplemental food production locale, and a microhabitat for a variety of aquatic organisms. You probably already know most of this stuff already, particularly if you've kept a reef tank before or if you've done some reading online about uh, deep sand beds and uh, their role in uh, you know, all kinds of aquariums. And of course, there are reefers who have absolutely vilified sand beds because they feel that they compete with corals for food and nutrients and ultimately can leach out all the unwanted organics that they sequester into the aquarium. Now, I personally disagree with this whole thing, but that's another you know, battle for another time and place. Okay, saltwater diversion aside, the concept of a deep substrate layer in a botanical-style aquarium continues to fascinate me, and I think that the benefits for our systems are analogous to those that occur in reef tanks, of course, and in nature. In my opinion, an undisturbed deep layer of substrate in a botanical-style aquarium, consisting of all sorts of materials from sand, sediment, to leaves and twigs and broken up pieces of botanicals, can foster all sorts of interesting biological support functions. I've always been a fan in my aquarium-keeping work of allowing nature to take its course in some things, as you know. And this is a philosophy which plays right into my love of dynamic aquarium substrates. If left to their own devices, they function in an efficient, almost predictable manner as they have for eons. Nature has this thing about finding a a way to work in all sorts of situations. And I have this thing about not wanting to mess with stuff once it's up and running smoothly. Like, I'll engage in regular maintenance, like water exchanges, etc. But I avoid heavy tweaks as a matter of practice. In particular, I tend not to disturb the substrate, whatever it is, in my aquariums. I think that it's because I imagine the substrate, again, as this magical place which fuels all sorts of processes, and nature tends to it in the most effective and judicious manner, as I've said before. Even in non-planted aquariums, playing with this stuff opens up a whole new area of aquarium exploration. Like any dynamic habitat, the botanical-style aquarium substrate relies on a variety of organisms to do the job of processing nutrients. 
you know, a healthy and diverse assemblage of organisms dwelling in this layer, ranging from bacteria to fungi to worms and small crustaceans, comprise what we call the infauna. Essentially, the infauna is a collective of organisms which do most of the work in keeping a botanical-style aquarium functional and healthy. These small organisms do a lot. They'll consume excess food, process detritus, and even some algae. During this process, they digest and excrete some of the stuff as waste. In turn, bacteria process this waste, which keeps the whole infauna community and the biological filtration of the aquarium functioning. As you know, I've long had a sort of affection for detritus. It's simply not a problem, in my humble opinion, particularly in the context of a deep substrate bed. Most of the stuff will just simply be processed by the resident infauna and consumed by the resident fishes. We talk about the concept of substrate enhancement or enrichment a lot in the context of botanicals. We tend to use the two terms interchangeably, of course. They're not particularly scientific, yet I think these monikers work. Um, we're not talking about enrichment in the same context as, say, planted aquarium people with nutritive vitamin, you know, materials, vitamins, minerals, you know, fertilizers, stuff like that, put into the substrate for the benefit of plants. Rather, Enrichment in our context refers to the addition of botanical materials for creating a more natural appearing, natural functioning substrate, one which provides a suitable haven for microbial life, as well as for fungi, small crustaceans, biofilms, even algae, uh, to serve as a foraging area for our fishes and for our invertebrates. There's something oddly compelling to me when I look at both aquariums and natural biotopes with a diverse, interesting bottom structure. They're diverse harbors uh, of life. Uh, ranging from fungal and biofilm mats to algae epiphytic plants. Decomposing leaves, seed pods, and branches compose the substrate for a complex web of life which helps the fishes that we're so fascinated by to flourish. And if you look at them objectively and carefully, they are beautiful. Detritus, or mulm as some people call it, located in the sediments is the major source of energy and or nutrients for this dynamic habitat. The bacteria which perform the all-important chemical reactions, such as converting ammonia to nitrate, uh, nitrates to nitrogen, releasing bound up nutrients, uh, neutralizing hydrogen sulfide, etc., will obtain essential nutrients from the detritus. This is what autotrophic bacteria that metabolize ammonia and ammonium and hydrogen sulfide for energy do. These bacteria may also harvest these nutrients as well as metabolize aerobically or anaerobically the organic compounds present in the detritus for energy, just like heterotrophs do, you know, animals that eat things. The process of nutrients in the aquarium, the processing of nutrients in the aquarium, I should say, is really fascinating. And it's a real partnership between a wide variety of aquatic organisms. Yet there's a lot of amazing biological function occurring in these layers. There certainly is. Now, hobbyists have played with deep sand beds and aquariums for many years, and knowledgeable proponents of natural aquarium management, such as Diane Wallstad, have discussed the merits of such features in far more detail and with a competency that I could only dream of. That being said, I think the time has never been better for us as aquarists to experiment with this stuff. Again, we're talking about utilizing a wider variety of materials than just sand, so the dynamics are quite different. They offer unique functions, processes, and potential benefits. I'm fascinated by, you know, different types of soils and, and substrate materials which occur in blackwater systems and how they influence the aquatic environment. Keep in mind that many of the habitats we accept, uh, you know, obsess over, like the Amazonian agarape and agapo, are seasonally inundated forest floors. So it goes without saying that the terrestrial soil composition and the associated biomass have significant influence on the aquatic environments that emerge during the wet season. Yeah, we know a little bit about that stuff, don't we? So the idea of a dynamic substrate comprised, comprised of higher you know, uh, organisms and a variety of materials will create a functionally aesthetic habitat for a variety of life forms. 
higher organisms like blackworms, trumpet snails, planariums, not the nasty, you know, parasitic ones, gamma, staphnia, etc., will complement the bacteria, the fungi, and the other life forms which live in sediments and sand, you know, shrimp and stuff like that. And I should once again point out that my vision of a dynamic botanical-style substrate is one composed of materials like leaves and bits of material, uh, botanicals mixed in uh, on top of or even in place of traditional sand. My obsession with botanical materials to influence and accent the aquarium habitat sort of spurred me to look at the use of certain materials that are reminiscent of those found in wild aquatic habitats to sort of augment the more traditional sands and other substrates in the aquariums. And in some instances, as I just said, to replace them entirely. We've sourced all sorts of materials, which I think will help us recreate the appearance, texture, and function of the tropical streams that we obsess over. Some are coconut-derived and will not only tint the water, but they'll impart those humic substances and such that seem to be so beneficial for many fishes. And then, of course, we have the more leaf-centric materials like our mixed-leaf media and so forth, which provide a different look and function. We're getting ready to release several more botanical materials that we think will be perfect for this purpose, so stay tuned. That's enough of my commercialism for today. Let's get back to the idea. The texture of these types of materials, botanical materials, tends to facilitate the growth of small life forms like bacteria and uh, higher organisms like gamerous and other crustaceans because they can thrive and reproduce, processing uneaten food and other materials while providing the occasional snack for foraging fishes. Obviously, we're not advocating just recklessly throwing stuff into your tank and waiting for something good to happen. I suppose that the con side of incorporating these uh, types of materials would be that you could overdo it or at least at the outset, you know, adding too much too soon, possibly overwhelming the whole population of resident bacteria in an established aquarium, particularly uh, established aquariums, and potentially rapidly reducing the pH or even oxygen with excess enthusiasm. It's possible. Perils that are sort of well known to our community. Of course, with this type of experimentation, we need to employ a healthy dose of common sense and good husbandry habits. It's important to have adequate water movement and um, good overall husbandry when... uh, attempting such a substrate well yeah this is a you know combination of natural materials that can create potentially messy uh, situations if you're not a careful feeder if you overstock your tank if you tend to let things go so just be conscientious about maintenance makes sense right working with ideas like this always requires that we proceed slowly and cautiously making sure that we observe the potential for issues as thoughtfully as we do with all sorts of these evolutionary things building a botanical style aquarium is not simply about a different look, right? It's about creating a biological system optimized for the blackwater environment. With a substrate comprised of or consisting entirely of uh, botanical materials, which specifically complement the overall aquarium habitat, the possibility for success with these kind of systems is really significant. It's gonna require some responsible experimentation, some patience, some observation, reflection, and occasionally failure. Personally, I've not had any disasters with my years of experimenting with this kind of stuff. That doesn't mean that you'll be immune to problems. It just means that if I can pull it off, you can too. The learning curve with this stuff is likely a bit unpredictable, but I think it's well worth taking action on. And we're literally, no pun intended, just scratching the surface of this idea of dynamic botanical substrates. And I think the next set of insights, discoveries, and even breakthroughs is just out there for the taking. Let's get after this together. Stay brave, stay curious, stay open-minded, stay innovative, stay resourceful, stay observant, Stay patient and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.